the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into Hour 3. Delighted to do so with former Congressman John Shattuck. He used to represent Arizona's old 4th Congressional District, which covers a lot of the central Phoenix area and points beyond. He uh, represented uh, represented us in Congress for 16 years. He is now the head of Shattuck Associates, LLC. John, it's good to see you. It is great to be here. There's a lot going on. Um, I want to I wanna start... A little bit um, inductively, if I might, uh, the old French philosopher uh, Montesquieu said that um, if a country loses a war because of the loss of one battle, the question really should become what were the conditions of that country that made it so tender that one battle would spell its end. And... um, I was thinking about that, and I was looking at uh, Secretary of Homeland Security Mayorkas on a panel today, and how everyone wants to seemingly hang the noose around his neck right now, so to speak, because he is such a representation of the failure of our immigration and border security policies and practices and facts on the ground. But the truth of the matter is, He's really the small battle in the larger situation that has been created by the president of the United States, Joe Biden, who, interestingly enough, took to the microphones yesterday and summoned his rhetorical skills to put the blame on a private citizen. Take it away, sir. Well, to me, it was jaw-dropping or stunning or... What do they call it? Smack me moment. Uh, what was the, the new one is drop the mic or mic drop? Yeah, mic drop. Mic drop. So we're watching last night, all of us, and we know what has happened. And we're disappointed that the Republican House failed to come up with the votes to impeach Mayorkas. Now, I happen to believe that impeaching Mayorkas was a sideshow from the beginning and a mistake. I think we should be impeaching Biden. And one of the articles would be his mishandling of the border and allowing uh, people in without complying with the law in hordes. Uh, But uh, we're all stunned and disappointed that we lost this voice, this vote and didn't have enough Republicans. We had three, actually, because the fourth was doing his job in a parliamentary way, three Republicans who just flat wouldn't be team players. But I think maybe nailing Mayorkas would have continued the distraction. The issue is not Mayorkas. The issue is Biden. And the issue is his stunning deceit and the uh, uh, unbelievable unwillingness of the American people to hold him accountable or, or alternatively stated 
the willingness of the American people to let Biden get away with it. Uh, flashback to uh, the inauguration of Joe Biden and the border was in everyone's mind. There was no one who believed the border was flat out of control. We might have been unhappy that it wasn't uh, more under control or perfectly under control, but it was under control. And no new law had been passed. President Trump had simply taken the law on the books and the authority it granted him and had used that authority to control the border. And we were not being flooded with tens, hundreds, uh, millions of foreigners in any given day, week, month, or year. It was under control. It wasn't an issue. You might say world peace wasn't an issue like it is today. And then Biden last night says the border is out of control. It is a danger to the nation. And he says one man is responsible, and that's Donald Trump. A private citizen. Yeah. What? Donald Trump? And somehow, I guess he constructs that because Trump didn't like this bill. He constructs it or bases it on his assertion that Trump wanted to use this issue and it should be used. But he just glaringly ignores that he took over when it was completely under control. And at the end of two and a half years uh, or three years of his oversight and tenure, it's a, a shocking disaster that has already changed the nation forever. Let's talk about already changed the nation forever. We are going to come up upon very soon uh, reapportionment and redistricting. The average American says, well, what does that have to do with immigration control or with a million or two million uh, illegal aliens crossing the border day every day? Well, the answer is illegal immigrants are counted in redistricting and reapportionment. For the purposes of population. Absolutely. For the purposes of population. And then what is based on population? Oh, congressional seats. So if they bring across tens or hundreds of thousands of foreigners or millions and they ship them to very liberal jurisdictions where they already know the body politic will vote liberal. They don't need the votes of those illegal immigrants. They simply need their bodies to be shipped to locations where the states in which they move to will get an increased number of members of the House because of their presence. How will that increased number of uh, members of the House vote? Well, we already know. If they come from New York, the vast majority will vote Democrat, woke, left. If they come from California, the same is true. Uh, If they come from Illinois, the same is true. So is Biden threatening America with a change in its character because these uh, illegals may someday get to vote? Yeah, he is. But is he changing America for his election or for the election of the upcoming Congress immediately after the next uh, na- national census and the next allocation of seats in the House? Yep. The damage is happening right now. 
And he has the gall, the unmitigated gall to sit in front of the American people and say, the problem at our border today is Donald Trump's fault. When, when it is clearly not, it's not Joe Biden's fault. It's the result of Joe Biden's intent. He wants those bodies here. Now, yeah, he wants them here ultimately to let them vote. But between now and then, he wants them here to move the Congress to the left by having the census that's taken uh, very, very soon to include tens of thousands of more people in left leaning states that never vote Republican like New York, California, Illinois, you name it. And he's he's accomplishing it. Uh, he has no intent of cutting back the flow. And certain districts in Texas, which has been their dream to turn yep. blue for some time now. Certain districts in Texas? Take I, your pick. I think this piece of legislation was doomed the moment it was issued. But I believe that, Don, that uh, President Biden uh, put the stake in its heart when he piped up about it two days ago talking about how we're also going to need a pathway to citizenship. Because I think at the moment he said that, and I'm guessing it was off script, the moment he said that, that that's the kind of thing that sends the shivers down the spines of the people who already are worried about what you said. Because, of course, illegal aliens can't presently vote, but... Yes, they can count for purposes of congressional delegation, congressional count, state um, state representation in Washington, D.C., federal subvention, by the way. Um, but also, once you start thinking about making these illegals, 10 million of, have, uh, of, of, of which may very well uh, be uh, thankful to the Democratic Party, you, you, you've now just made citizens and voters – of people uh, for your party. So when he says things like that, I think he's becoming his own worst enemy. Let me take I think a, something else yeah, was know. the instant death of the bill. All right, let me let me take a quick commercial break and we'll come back on that point when we come right back. John Shattuck is my guest. I'm Seth Liebson and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson show. Congressman John Shattuck is my guest, uh, former congress uh, former congressman representing Arizona. Uh, for Old Fourth Congressional District, head of Shattuck Associates, LLC. Uh, and we're talking a little bit about this immigration um, uh, issue that has, uh, I, I, I think it's now died on the vine. I'll be surprised if there's any more news about it starting tomorrow, certainly by Friday, John. You think there was another uh, clang that sounded the death knell to this? I do. Um, the founders were incredibly gifted and talented and blessed in the process. And they perceived perhaps accurately that uh, we ought to have one body that was extremely uh, responsive and perhaps too much so to sentiment, to public sentiment uh, in our constitutional Republic. And we ought to have one body of the legislature that was isolated. So they gave house members two year terms which actually for me I thought was a lot of fun because you had to be able to defend what was going on. I once 
<laughs> this is a great story, but I won't be able to tell the real names. One of my best friends was uh, once, best friends in the House, was once called over to the Senate uh, by a prominent center, senator who was thinking about running for president. And this colleague of mine was a highly regarded and more than highly regarded, a very smart member of the House. And so he respected the senator and he went over one day and he sat down with the senator and they had a long conversation and uh, it ended. And my friend from the House who had been called over and who had had a discussion with this senator about all the various issues that were before the country and about the potential of this uh, senator running for the president, my colleague comes back from the Senate almost breathless. And he turns to me and he says, those guys don't know anything. He said that in the hour and a half conversation they had, this senator didn't know what his position was on a single issue and was clueless about where the American people were. And I think this bill died uh, the day the Senate had a conference after the text had been released. I watched one of the senators come out and be interviewed, and he was ashen. Uh, he went because through of the, the whole, resistance he didn't expect. Oh, yeah, about, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. People are, people are, people are that mad. This. Yeah, right. And, he, and he, they never asked him, how are you going to vote? Uh, and so at the end of the interview, now he's watched his colleagues react and he's been told about how the public's reacting, and he's seen the public reacting. And so they said to him, well, thanks for the interview. And he said, wait, before I go, I got to tell you, I'm against this. I'll never vote for this. And he was afraid of leaving the first interview without having staked out a position in opposition. And when the Senate leadership picked one member, and I, I knew uh, Senator Lankford when I was there, he took the seat of my best friend, Tom Coburn, uh, and when they put Langford up against Kirsten Cinema and is it Tim Murphy? Yeah, it was over. Yeah. I mean, Chris Murphy. Chris, Chris Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, yeah. If you looked at the at the paper the next day and there are the pictures of those people, people you didn't need to know. You need to read the bill. You know how it came out, and it wasn't going to be good. Uh, Langford's a nice guy and not not completely stupid, but. To put Langford's negotiating skills up against both Chris Murphy, who had been, uh, he had had a leadership position, right. I think, for right. a long right. time. Right. And Kirsten Cinema, who is a gifted negotiator, and I think she's extremely good at her job. Langford didn't have a chance, not a snowball's chance in you-know-what. So... I think it was killed at that conference. I think it was dead at that conference. And I think what killed it was the sentiment of the American people. The American people are not stupid. And, and, and this was a conference of all the Republicans. And they realized, I'm not going home and tell my constituents I'm for this bill. Uh, I, I mean, they knew the second that conference convened that the only way they could vote for that bill as a member, as a Republican member of the U.S. Senate, was if they were ready to not run or ready to be trounced. Uh, so uh, it, 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 I think it was a deer in the headlights moment 
for members of the Senate. And the message it has to send is you really can't negotiate a bill you have any hope for with one person in the room. And one of the most common complaints by all the other senators was, well, Langford didn't tell us as we were going along what was going in. And I heard senators say this is a uh, tried and true strategy, which it was in the House as well, uh, to have uh, a very small number of members or one try to negotiate a bill, not reveal the details, and then rush it to the floor before members have a chance to vote on it. And uh, there, I can guarantee you Republicans did not kill it in order to take, uh, in order to give Trump an issue or make Biden live with the bill. Uh, they killed it because they themselves, one off, each one of them, couldn't possibly defend voting for it. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't have some good stuff in it. I think there's a lot of good stuff in it. As a matter of fact, it may have more good stuff in it than uh, any similar compromise or, or reported compromise immigration legislation has ever had. But when you offer it in this climate where the American people have looked at literally millions of illegals crossing and Biden doing nothing, and for that matter, most of the virtually all of the mainstream media for months and months, not even covering the story. Yeah. I mean, I'd go talk to people who don't watch Fox News and you'd say to them, aren't you stunned by the tens of thousands of people crossing illegally in the United States? And they'd look at me like I had four eyes. <laughs> they, they, if they watched CBS or NBC or their local news. They were clueless as to what was going on. You know, um, you're making a really good point. And there's a few things just to think through politically on this, because I think he did incalculable damage, uh, Mr. Lankford, Senator Lankford, because what he has done is he has handed on a silver plate, a talking point to Karen Jean-Pierre and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to say, well, we had a bipartisan piece of legislation that would solve the border crisis. It was those extreme Republicans who deep-sixed it. it I think that's— MAGA Republicans. Right, Ooh. MAGA Republicans, extremist Republicans. A few other thoughts around that. Got to take a quick commercial break. Let me do that, and I'll come back uh, on that issue with you. John Shattig, grateful to have you. My guest, he and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Um, Congressman Shattuck, my guest. Congressman, um, the other interesting thing about Lankford, and you think about the kinds of legislation that has been floated in the past on immigration, really since this country started doing it in the modern era, circa 2005, when you were there in Congress. Um, when it came from the Senate, they used to usually attached pretty big names to it. McCain-Kennedy, for example. Yep. Or the people like the Gang of Eight and Marco Rubio. Also turned out to be um, kind of a highway of death for people who touched this stuff. They got their fingers burned. Marco Rubio learned that pretty quickly. When McCain was running for McCain president, did everything he had to to overcome it when he ran for yep. president. Right. When McCain was running for president, instantly it right. became not 
McCain Kennedy, it became Kyle Kennedy. (laughs) (laughs) And I bet, well, I won't speak for anyone, uh, but I will simply say they they often end up regretting this. The thing about Lankford is no one knew who he was also. I mean, this was, I mean, it was kind of funny. I heard him on an interview and the host, gracious as he was, said, the most conservative senator to ever come out of Oklahoma. And I thought, what? Inhofe? I, was it, I, I just Nichols? Uh, I just thought no one knows who he is. Nope. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but you take the point. Most people don't know who he is. Quiet guy. Yeah. But um, I, I, I have to be careful about this. Um, one of the things that occurs to me is how did he let himself get trapped? Well, that's the interesting thing because McConnell must have looked around. This guy, Lankford, I, Senator Lankford, he's not up for re-election uh, for another other uh, several years. That's right. He so just you look was around and you re-elected. say, okay, well, you're the one to do this. Elected in, re-elected right. in 2022 to a six-year term. Right, right, right. So he's he's not going to have to face Oklahomans on this for a while. That having been said um, – it's interesting, not a single other Republican that we know of really wanted to get on board with this thing. But the reading of the room was what was interesting. As much as we didn't know him, collectively we, you know what I mean, he didn't know this. He looked like a deer in the headlights when the reactions came out. And that's, to your point earlier, these senators, they sometimes just aren't as in touch as you would otherwise. It's amazing how much... We expect people to know that they don't. It's the best training to know things is your job as a congressman because you have to face the voters every two years and be uh, in touch with 800,000 people and talk radio hosts and truckers because they listen to news all day long. It's certainly uh, in part attributable to that. It's obvious he was out of touch. But there's another player in there that hasn't been mentioned and. Mm -hmm except earlier in the discussion. Mm -hmm. So he's sitting there negotiating with uh, Chris Murphy and Kirsten Sinema. Right. Well, who can convince you of something you're not sure of better than Kirsten Sinema? Right. She is one talented advocate. Yep. Uh, She has incredible skills. And so how did... uh, Senator Lankford gets so far off track. My argument is that Kirsten Cinema was pointing out again and again some of the good provisions in the bill. And those good provisions in a different atmosphere might have created a good bill. But apparently he was not he himself wasn't watching Fox before he was asked to take this job. And he himself was not aware of the fact that those millions who are watching Fox were stunned at the hordes of people crossing the border every day. Actually, the interesting thing is uh, on Sunday night, uh, no less than what CBS's featured program, 60 Minutes, 60 minutes shows this stream of Hundreds of people continuously walking through a hole in the fence. All of us here in Arizona who've ever driven to San Diego go back, go by that hole in the fence 
literally every trip over and every trip back. Uh, And obviously, uh, he had never seen a hole in the fence like that or never seen. And people that watch it say, well, why doesn't some, why doesn't one of the hundreds of uh, Border Patrol agents we have stop one of them and say, stop, you can't come in. And I'll bet you the answer is that there's a law, and I think this is right. There's a law that says they can't. Let me uh, let me hit. I uh, lost my clock here for a second. Let me take a quick commercial break. John Shattuck is my guest. I want to circle back on the Kirsten Cinema element. I think you're totally spot on with it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Coming to you from the 960 Patriot Studio. Brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. John Shattuck is my guest, Congressman Shattuck, head of Shattuck Associates, LLC. The Kirsten Cinema angle on all this is interesting. Again, this is the kind of thing I think that when people touch it, they electrocute themselves. Um, and, and the reason I say that is I think, first of all, Kirsten Cinema is very good, as you say, on a lot of fronts. Uh, but she's very good at uh, persuading some Republicans that um, she can be trusted. Um, She's very good at that. I would say hoodwinking, but for whatever it's worth. I think also this might have been her her finger in the wind that would have suggested whether she runs for re-election or not. If this worked... She would be the kind of hero that really substantiates this independence who can bring everyone together. Um, If it goes down in flames, you know, it's interesting to me, John, Arizona Republic, for at least running on three weeks now, has had at least two columns, maybe more, a week, um, saying that Kristen Sinema doesn't look like she's going to run for re-election. This may very well have been the nail in that coffin. I wonder what your sense of it is, uh, whether she is planning to. But I do think this was her last best hope to try and uh, make a serious run at re-election as an independent. And it went down in flames. Um, I, maybe I'm wrong Kirsten about Cinema that. is, to me, an enigma. Yeah. Uh, on the one hand, most people who uh, have as much talent as she does and decide to become politicians uh, demonstrate a clear addiction to politics. They don't quit. She it ha, it has always been kind of a step off. And earlier this year, I was absolutely convinced that, of course, she was going to run. Uh, and and she does have an immense amount of appeal uh, to across the line to Republicans. Um, I think having said that, I think your theory about how she thought that if she could pull this off and get a bill that everybody loved, that would, in fact, seal a deal and she would run. uh, I think that's a spot on analysis and makes all the sense in the world. The question now is, will she really pull the plug uh, and walk away from this profession? And when you, you know, she does these quixotic things, you know color her hair or wear a bizarre dress to uh, an event or uh, arguably cross the line 
in in some area of conduct. Spend the spending is interesting. Yeah, spend money at flying around yeah. in a way in which she knew yeah. if she had to get reelected, she'd have to defend. Yeah. She yeah. does quixotic things, yeah. and maybe she's just decided. Actually, my wife and I have discussed this. Maybe she's just decided I've had enough. Yeah, this isn't that much fun. Uh, I'm I'm not getting any younger, and I might as well go do something else more fun. And that may happen. If it does, it will it will prove that she's unlike some others. I mean, uh, I obviously Carl Hayden didn't choose to step down. <laughs> Barry Goldwater didn't choose to step down early. Uh, Mo Udall didn't choose to step down early. I guess you could argue that Dennis DeConcini did, but but he had been there a very long time and he had the resources to kind of step aside. I just think it it it, it, it will be unusual for somebody in a, the position she has of power and the influence she has, which I think benefit Arizona very much. It'll be interesting if she really does step aside. And my bet is if she doesn't step aside, she still wins. Uh, I, I the issue, if she steps aside, the issue becomes: Who do we have? Are people going to? Are people really going to elect uh, Mr. Gallego? Uh, I, I hope not. Uh, and so that then makes this uh, a very interesting situation. You think if she's in, she wins? I think if she's in, she wins. I think she has that kind of appeal, and I think Carrie Lake, Lake did immense damage to herself. Uh, in once again taping somebody and and realizing and, and let it be known she taped somebody who can't what member of the Senate could trust uh, any discussion they had with Carrie Lake uh, in a meeting in their office in the future or in her office? Well, the one thing that I always thought was interesting about uh, the Lake taping situation is, of course, the rules for, you know, who you can tape in what state are different. And in Arizona, yep. you can do it. And it's it's a different question in other places. But there were two other questions that um, we'll never get an answer to, um, that, but but I think are, are are worth putting on the table. One is we don't know that he didn't go in there taping it, too thinking the answer might be different and using that, one. Two, a lot of people I know have had interactions with Jeff um, and kind of see what's coming with some of these conversations will want to have him on tape uh, based on what he can do. I've had uh, too many conversations with people about his, his, by the way, use of taping people um, and videoing people in the past, um, particularly in, in campaign efforts. So I'm I'm willing to give her uh, more uh, more than credit for what happened here. I mean, she didn't she didn't go to him and offer him a bribe at the end of the day, and I think that's the main story here. I think most people are glad to see that that we have a state chairman who's willing to carry bags and water for out of state interests that want to influence our elections. Um, discussions like the ones they had happen. I think much more often than people realize. I, trust me, lawyers, I think, would debate at length whether uh, a bribe was offered uh, because of the general nature. I mean, yeah, and not, like, not in the of legal the conversation. Sense. Yeah, right. Uh, I may not be the greatest expert. I can tell you that uh, lawyers in Arizona are prohibited from taping a conversation without the. Uh, permission of both sides. 
and and to me, um, it, it it just poses uh, a, a risk for somebody who engages in that contact. I had a a DC reporter who called me and who said that there was a lot of public reaction. Uh, um, from people who said, how can I trust somebody who would tape record me? Or would anybody I know ever tape record me? And and they are, to some degree, not insignificant degree, repulsed by learning somebody taped them. I, I, I think there is distaste with some people, but I think the larger story is that there were out-of-state interests that wanted her out. And I think... I think it goes away. I think it goes away as a major concern is my own sense. But what it will be the most interesting thing to watch is whether Kirsten Cinema goes away. Yeah, that, John that, Shattuck, thank you very that much. That is the huge question that before us all question. right now that the bill is dead. Thank you, sir. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y Refi. They have a secure investment in an investment that actually helps people secure and collateralized, and you can earn up to 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. You're in total control. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, compound it, whatever you like. There are absolutely no fees, and there is no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. Think of that peace of mind. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then Y. Uh, then refy.com, invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI24, 888-YREFI24. I was doing an interview. I was on the other side of a mic for a program earlier this morning, and we were talking about where this nation was, and I'll close with this thought because it brings me back to how I opened this hour, quoting Montesquieu. Um, And we were talking about whether this nation has what it takes to come back from so many of the cliffs we have walked up to that I described in my monologue, so many of the problems we have brought upon ourselves uh, over the last, really truly, the last four to five years um, that have gone um, gone on at hyperspeed, whether it's uh, the crime, the, any number of things. Go back to my monologue for the litany because I'm running out of time. But I said, you know, you have to think about two things. One is what the great historian Will Durant says. When you think about great civilizations that have come and gone, the only two questions that matter are what made it great in the first place and what led to its destruction. Montesquieu, who I opened this hour with, said the deterioration of every government begins with the decay of the principle upon which it was founded. We are in the decay prevention business. Thanks for spending some time with us today. I am Seth Liebson on behalf of Mr. Bill and young David. Until tomorrow, God bless you all and class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.